Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our Greenbrier campus. Thanks for listening. I read this week, I, I heard this week about something called um, male pattern blindness. And I think I've got it, right? Uh, at least I've been told that I, that I have it. Um, and and I've, I have a feeling a lot of you guys are gonna be in the same boat with me. My wife tells me that I have this. And, and this is where you can stand in front of the refrigerator and, and be looking for something and, and just not see it right in front of your face. You know, like where's the ketchup? And it's right there um, and you can't find it. You start screaming through the house. Hey, hey babe, like we don't have any ketchup, you know? She's like, it's right there. It's next to the mustard. I, we don't have any mustard either. <laughs> you know, no, no milk. And so I've got refrigerator blindness. I've got uh, closet blindness, cabinet blindness. Just can't, can't see the stuff that's right in, right in front of me. Um, I was reading this week about this and uh, National Geographic actually uh, recognizes that this is a real thing, um, that, that men have, a, have, a, have trouble, ladies. We have trouble seeing the things that are right in front of us. And, and they say that it goes back to like the hunter-gatherer days. And I don't, I don't know if that's true or not, but like women are really good at seeing things that are just right, right there and they don't move, you know? Men were good at like spotting a deer at 300 yards going 70 miles an hour down the interstate. You know what I'm talking about? Like we can see that. We can't see the thing right in front of us. And so male pattern blindness. Guys, you can, you can use that now. Like it's a, it's a thing. You can be diagnosed with that maybe. But uh, anyway, we're going to talk today about seeking the Lord. That's the reason I bring that up. Seeking the Lord. Like the Bible says seek the Lord a lot. Um, over and over throughout the Bible we're told that we are to seek the Lord. But have you ever stopped to think about, like, what does that actually mean? What does it mean to seek the Lord? Is it like that? Is it like trying to find the thing in the refrigerator? Or is it like trying to see the deer out in the field? I don't know. But today we're going to take a look at it and see what it means for us. Before we do that, I want us just to spend just another moment just praying and asking the Lord to reveal uh, himself through his word this morning to us. And so as we jump into this, I'm going to pray for all of us, but why don't you just in this time pray for yourself and ask God, God, would you speak to me in this time? Let's pray together. God, we just want to pause and we want to ask that in this time that you would speak, that through your word and through your spirit that you would reveal uh, yourself to us, that you would reveal your nature and your character and your goodness to us, and that through that we might be changed. Would you help us to listen? Would you help us to have hearts that are softened uh, towards you? And would you speak loudly to us this morning? We love you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. All right, if you have a Bible, open it with me to Amos chapter 5. Amos chapter 5. So we started a series now in the book of Amos. Uh, this is our third week in. And, and if you remember, we talked about how Amos was, he was a, a, a farmer. It says he was a fig farmer and he was a herder, all right? And so uh, that's what he was. He wasn't like a professional preacher or anything like that. He wasn't a, a professional prophet. He was just a farmer. And he lived in Judah, which is in the south. And, if, and he goes into Israel, which is in the north. And he starts proclaiming like their destruction, that the end is coming for them. And, and what we see here in Amos chapter five is actually what's called a lament. 
And a lament is just this statement of grief or sorrow, and it's usually something that would be said at a funeral. Like it's a, it's a sad type of a thing, but prophets would use these to declare kind of the end of a nation or a people. But the interesting thing about it is at the time that this was written, as, as Amos is going into Israel and he's proclaiming this lament, their destruction, man, Israel was doing well. Like it was at the height of its prosperity. Jeroboam II was the king and things were, were rolling, right? And so you have to imagine like their shock whenever Amos comes in and he starts announcing that, that the end is coming, that everything is gonna go, come crashing down. They have to be thinking like, what, what are you talking about, right? Everything seems to be good. I want you to remember that. Like everything seems to be good, okay? But we know from our study in 2 Kings um, that, that the end does come for Israel and Assyria comes in and just wipes them out. And so Amos, he's, he's proclaiming this is going to happen and it does. And so the nation is doomed just as Amos says that it is. But in this passage, he's gonna offer, he's gonna extend this offer of life to individuals. So while the nation is doomed, individuals can respond. And that's what Amos is gonna say. He's gonna say, if they will seek the Lord, then they will live, okay? If they will seek the Lord, then they will live. Let's, let's read it, Amos chapter five. I want us to start in verse four, and we're gonna skip down to the end of the, in just, in just a minute, but Amos chapter five, verse four, read with me there. It says, for the Lord says to the house of Israel, seek me and live, okay? Do not seek Bethel, or go to Gilgal, or journey to, to Beersheba, for Gilgal will certainly go into exile, and Bethel will come to nothing. It's actually an interesting little play on the, on the Hebrew word there. Bethel, Beth-el means house of God. El means God, Beth is house, and, and he changes it there in the end. Uh, nothing, he changes that to actually be Beth-ans, which means house of nothing. That Bethel will come to nothing. Verse six, seek the Lord and live or he will spread like fire throughout the house of Joseph. It will com consume everything with no one at Bethel to extinguish it. Jump down to verse 14 with me. He says, pursue good and not evil so that you may live. And the Lord, the God of armies, will be with you as you have claimed. Hate evil and love good. Establish justice in the city gate. Perhaps the Lord, the God of armies, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph or of Israel, okay? So that's our, our text this morning. I just want us to walk through this, break it down. And, and he says several times there to seek the Lord. I want us to, like, if we could just leave here understanding, what does it mean to seek the Lord? What does it mean to seek the Lord? Does seek mean to find him? Like looking in the refrigerator for something or, or finding something that's lost. Is God lost, right? Is God lost? No, of course not. He, he's not lost. And, and as his children, we're always in his presence. That's what scripture tells us. So he's not lost. He's, he's what's called omnipresent. He's, he's everywhere. His presence is everywhere. It's near everything and everyone, and it sustains all of creation. He promises in his word to always stand by us and work all things for our good. Jesus actually said at the end of the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, verse 20, he says, and, and I'm sending you out. And then he says, and remember that I'm with you always. So he's with us. Okay? He's not hiding. He's not lost. We don't have to go like searching through the bushes or something like that to find God. He's with us. And so seek doesn't mean find. Seek means 
to chase, okay? Seek means to chase after him. That's big. That's the whole premise of what we're talking about this morning, that seek means to chase after him, that he's not lost, but sometimes we lose him, right? Sometimes we, we, we lose him, and sometimes our chase of him just kind of drags, drags behind, right? It's, um, it's kind of like, uh, have you ever been out on a walk with maybe your kids or something, parents, you know what I'm talking about? You're on a walk, and and, and the kids are, are walking with you and your kids just start to kind of drag behind. You know what I'm talking about? My son does this. Like, we'll be out on a walk and, and we'll look up and he'll just be like 30 yards behind us. It's like, what happened? You were just right here, you know? You were just right here, but he got distracted by a grasshopper or he, you know, just got tired. His legs are tired and he's just done walking now. Or, you know, it could be all, all kinds of things. Maybe he's just not paying attention. Maybe he took his eyes off of us and his pace slowed way down, but it's kind of that same idea whenever it comes to our chase or our walk with the Lord. Like, I'm sure we felt that, right, whenever it comes to our walk with God. If you've walked with him any amount of years, you know what I'm talking about. Like, there's seasons where you feel like you're just right there close, and there's other seasons where you feel like, man, my chase has kind of dragged on a bit, yeah? Just not as close as I was. And listen, when that happens, it's important for us to understand, like, it's not him, his pace didn't slow down. He's constant. When that happens, it's us. You stop chasing him. <laughs> you got distracted. You, you put your eyes on something or someone else. You neglected your time with him. You've given him no thought. And before you know it, you look up and you're, there's some distance there, right? I've experienced that. So whenever I think of chasing, chasing requires a few things. Chasing requires effort. Right? You, have to put, you have to put forth some, some effort. It's not an easy thing, and it can be exhausting sometimes. Chasing requires sacrifice. Like you may have to leave some things behind in order to fully chase and to run hard. Chasing also requires commitment. Like you have to be all in. You can't half-heartedly chase something. You know? And so it requires those things. In the Bible, we're told that it requires a couple of things, and the Bible is described as as requiring a, a, a continual effort and a conscious effort. That's how the Bible talks about chasing or seeking after God. Uh, it says to do this continually, Psalm 105.4. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face or his presence always. It's ongoing, it's continual, right? That we're always on this journey with him, but our natural self is just bent on turning away. I'll tell you often that Hosea 11.7, I think is the thesis verse of the Old Testament. It says, my people are just bent on turning away from me. And so if you imagine in this chase scenario, like he, he's, he's running and we're just like kind of zigzagging back, back behind, right? So we must continually chase after God. And how do we do that? We develop rhythms and routines in our day and our week that help keep us on, on track. You spend time in his word because that's where he reveals himself to you. You spend time talking with him in prayer, right? Isaiah 55, 6 says, seek the Lord while he may be found and call to him while he is near. So we seek him by calling out to him and talking with him. We seek him, uh, it says, by, by spending time running with other believers. You know, that's the reason the church and community and your small group is so important that we are actually linking arms and we're running. We're chasing after God together, right? 
and you spend, spend time and you, you rest in him. That's another way that you develop rhythms and routines like weekly rest, Sabbath, that's the purpose. It's not, it's, you don't, you're not required to take a Sabbath or a break in your week because like you just are tired and need a break. It's so that you can spend time focusing in on him and seeing like he's the one that sustains you and it, it helps in your chase of him. And so we, we do all these things so that we can chase closely behind him. Again, remember, he's, he's not lost, but sometimes obstacles in this world can kind of trip us up or keep us from seeing him, and before we know it, he's distant, right? There's obstacles that can pop up that, that knock you off of, of your chase, and John Piper says, says this. He says, to shake the things that are blocking your chase of God. Just shake those things, whether it's friendships or hobbies or activities or kids' activities, anything that pops up along your path that hinders your chase of God, we need to like juke those things and shake them and get them out of our, our path. See, chasing God requires conscious effort, consciously chasing after him. It also is a, a, a continual and it's a conscious thing. First Chronicles twenty two nineteen says, now determine in your heart and mind to seek the Lord your God, determine. Like you're consciously thinking about this chase that you're on. It's consciously setting your mind and your heart on him. We're not just coasting in our walk with the Lord. Colossians chapter three says this. So if you have been raised with Christ, Christians, if you have been raised with Christ, then seek things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So if you are a Christian, if you've submitted your life to him, then you are consciously setting your mind and your heart on him. You're chasing after him. Because listen, understand this, like following Christ closely will never happen on accident. You're not just gonna look up one day and find yourself further down the journey with Christ and you did nothing to get there. It's continual and it's conscious, putting forth effort to chase after him. So what does it look like, right? What does that actually look like to do this? How do we seek God? Well, this passage tells us, tells us the wrong way to do it and it tells us the correct way to do it. And it starts by telling us the wrong way to chase. It says, do not seek, and it gives us these places, right? Do not seek, Bethel or Gilgal or Beersheba because those places represent fake worship, okay? Now, we need to do a little bit of context here like and understand that these are, are real places. They really existed. They played a significant role for God's people in the past. But now, at the time that he's writing this, these have all become places of fake worship, like idols have been set up here, altars and sacrifices to fake gods are happening there. But in the past, like they, God did some incredible things there. Like Bethel, I told you, literally means house of God. And it's a place in Israel that the king set up to be kind of a makeshift Jerusalem. That's where they were gonna go to, to worship Yahweh. But it's also the place where they set up the two golden calves and one represented Yahweh, but the other one represented all the other idols. And so we see this place just start to go down this bad path. Gilgal was the place where Joshua entered the promised land, right? And in, in the book of Exodus and Deuteronomy, whenever he enters into the promised land and he sets up 12 stones, that's, that's here in Gilgal. 
And it's a reminder of God's faithfulness. So God did some incredible things here in the past. And then in Beersheba, that's in Judah, that's in the south, and that has ties to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. In fact, whenever Jacob goes to Egypt, he, he offers sacrifices here at Beersheba. So like if we just pause here, understanding the context of what's, what's happening, like these places used to be authentic. God used them for incredible things in the past, and the people would take long journeys to go to them. But look, instead of chasing God, they were chasing past closeness. They were chasing past closeness, and if we're not careful, we're drawn to do this as well, especially whenever we feel distant from the Lord. We'll start chasing those things that maybe used to bring us close to God. Have you ever, um, maybe with your spouse, um, gone out on a date night after you've been like disconnected for like a month? Life's just been busy, you haven't really been talking a whole lot, and you go out on a date night, and you're looking forward to it, and you get there, and it's, it's kind of awkward. You know, anybody else? It's kind of awkward. Like, you're just kind of like, I'm not really sure what to talk about, and then you get frustrated that it's awkward. You're like, this shouldn't be awkward, and, and so you get frustrated at that, or maybe you've experienced that with like a close friend that you haven't seen in some time, and you go out, and it's just kind of weird. But then, like, the difference of what if you're on vacation with your spouse? And um, it's just the two of you, and you've been on vacation for several days, and like night three or four, you go out on a, on a date for dinner, and like it's just everything's good, and there's, there, there's good conversation, good relationship that's taking place. Like that's the closeness that we desire, right? And so it would be crazy to think that it's wherever you're at on vacation, the beach or the mountains, whatever it is that brought that closeness. It's, it's not the place, it's not the thing, but sometimes we get tricked into thinking that it's the thing or the place or the time back then that I was close to God that actually brought that closeness. And so whenever it comes to chasing God, people weirdly connect past closeness with God to a place, maybe, maybe a church experience or maybe like a camp type of a thing or a style of worship or, or whatever. And, and we want that closeness again, so we'll get mad about things or we'll blame the church or we'll go to seven new churches to try and find that closeness again. But listen, a new church or a different style probably isn't the issue. It's probably you. Like your heart is probably full of idols. <laughs> You've probably taken your eyes off of the Lord. Maybe you're bored with the things of God. Maybe you stopped chasing him like you were back then. Maybe your pride is getting in the way. And so we get drawn into trying to chase past closeness. And scripture talks about, man, pray for daily bread. Like you don't need last year's bread. You don't need the past closeness. You need daily intimacy, closeness with the Lord. And so these places, they used to be authentic, but now they're all just places of, of fake worship. And I want you to see what Amos says about these places. He says in Amos chapter four, uh, verse four, it should be on the screen for you. It says, come to Bethel and rebel. Rebel even more at Gilgal. Bring your sacrifices every morning, your tents every three days. Offer leavened bread as a Thanksgiving sacrifice and, and loudly proclaim your freewill offerings for that is what you Israelites love to do. He's saying, just keep coming to these places. Just keep offering your little sacrifices. That's what you love to do, right? This is, uh, he, he's speaking harshly against their religious activity that was fake. 
just fake religious activity that was just there to impress others. They're not actually seeking God, they're just checking a box. Going there, offering these little Thanksgiving sacrifices and different things, they're not actually there to seek God. And, and, and the question I have for us is how many people are doing this today? That, that church is just another box to check. Did you put on your Sunday best and then you leave thinking, all right, done with that till next week? Unless something better comes up next week and then we'll see about the following week, right? Just checking check boxes and, and that's what we call um, a car- compartmentalization of your faith, just having different boxes. And over here is my Sunday box and over here is my Monday through Friday box and here's my weekend box. I really like that box, that's a fun box. And so like we end up just having all these different boxes for our life. But even more than that, like we're told that the sacrifices that they're offering at these places came at the expense of the poor. Like there's injustice that's taking place. They're they're taking advantage of the poor and the powerless and they would steal from them and then use that money as the sacrifice that they're offering. And, And God hates that, right? See, in the Bible, justice and love go together. Like it's a tangible love for people that we see it's the reason the Bible talks about justice. Like, we get weird about that. Like, should we be talking about justice? That seems political. The Bible does. It talks a lot about justice for the poor and justice for the outsider because it's a tangible example of, of love for others. And they were taking advantage of people. They were treating people like trash. They would look like they were devoted to God up on the mountain, but their day-to-day lives didn't match up. And I, I think we need to ask ourselves... Ask yourself right now, is Sunday you the same as Monday you? Is Sunday you the same as Monday you? See, God says your actions on Monday actually reveal the heart behind your worship on Sunday. So I think, I think we see in this passage and, and throughout Amos' writing like how God feels about fake worship. Amos chapter five, just a few verses after our section this morning, verse 21 says this, God says, I hate, I despise your feasts. I can't stand the stench of your solemn assemblies. Even if you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. I will have no regard for your fellowship offerings of fattened cattle. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice flow like water and righteousness like an unfailing stream. God is saying, your worship is a sham. (laughs) That's harsh, right? He says, it's fake. And don't seek me that way. Like, don't come chasing after me with that fake worship. And what happens is it doesn't end well for Israel. Like, God promises that his justice will come on them like a fire that can't be stopped. And so we need to understand this morning, like in 2022, sitting here in Greenbrier, Arkansas, that fake worship is a big deal to God. Fake worship is a big deal to God. So he tells us that the wrong way to chase after him don't, don't chase me at these, at these fake places. Don't chase me with your fake religion. Don't, don't try and rely on past closeness. Don't, don't do that. And then he tells us the correct way to chase him down in verse 14 and 15. The correct way to chase him is he says, pursue or seek. Your Bible may say seek right there. Seek good and not evil so that you may live. And the Lord, the God of armies will be with you 
as you have claimed. So do, do you want to chase God? Like, if you want to chase God and you want his presence to actually be with you, then the Bible says to pursue good, not evil. Or verse 15, hate evil and love good. Like, this is more than just performing religious activity. This is stuff that, like, really affects your day. This is real-life stuff. Hating evil, loving good. See, religious ritual means nothing if it doesn't affect your life. First Chronicles twenty-two nineteen. again, it says, Now determine in your mind and heart to seek the Lord your God. Seek him. Determine it. Philippians 4, 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. See, we chase after him, like not, not through fake religious rituals. Like Christianity is a really dumb hobby if that's all it is for you. I mean, think about it coming to church and, and yeah, you gotta give money, <laughs> you gotta like show up and, and spend your time. And if it's just a hobby, man, it's a dumb hobby. Go find something better to do, get a boat. <laughs> you know, it's a dumb hobby. So we don't chase him through fake religious rituals but by constantly and consciously, daily pursuing good, pursuing the things of God and hating evil and the Bible promises that he'll be with you that that chase that kind of chase will result in closeness the, the thing about chasing is chasing means forward movement forward movement and so like don't hear me this morning and hear that perfection is the requirement Perfection is not the requirement, but progress is. You should be making progress in your walk with the Lord. And so ask yourself this morning, is there any progress in my chase of God? Can I look back over the last few months and see any kind of progress that I'm taking with, with God? I'm not saying that you're perfect, but are you taking steps? Are you taking steps? Because steps equal progress. So don't like beat yourself up too much uh, right now. We're all on a journey. We're all in different stages of our journey. And so I'm not trying to pile on guilt this morning, but my job is to call you to more. Like that's my job is to call each of us to more. So today, I guess I'm just saying like take another step. Wherever you are in your journey with Christ, like take another step. And I promise you that if you will, if you'll commit over the long haul, You'll look back in a few months and you'll be amazed at the, at the progress that you've made. This past week, I, I heard a guy in my small group. He said this, he's, he, he was talking about this journey that he's on and he talked about the importance of like being in a group with other believers and he, he's talking about how much that's encouraged him in his walk and, and he said this, he says, I believed for a long time, but I've never lived it until now. I believed. I did the thing, I was checking the boxes, I was coming to church, but now I actually see it spilling into my week, right? And that's, that's the goal. So he's taking steps, he's chasing after God. And the, the amazing thing about that 
is that when we do that, God promises to reward it. He promises to reward that. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. He says, I will be found by you. Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. So understand this morning, like, do you desire closeness with the Lord? You need to understand that more than you desire closeness with the Lord, he desires closeness with you. Like he does. That's why Jesus came to this earth. That's why, that's why he came. He came to seek after us. Luke 19, 10 says, for the son of man has come to seek you and me. That's why he came. Like we needed a savior. He stepped into this earth to seek and to save the lost. And he goes and he dies on a cross and he provides a sacrifice that was needed for our sin, the sin that separates us. Our sin keeps us from a relationship with the Lord. But his death is the remedy. His death is the sacrifice. And, and, and so he, he dies on the cross in our place. He is put into a grave because he's dead. And three days later, he raises from the dead and he's alive. And when he does that, he offers you and me life. He offers us closeness. And that offer is available to every single one of you this morning. The Bible says if we will just trust in him, place our faith in him, believe in him, we'll be saved. And so maybe you need to do that this morning. For some of you, that's like your first step on this chase, on this journey. Your first step is to trust him. So this morning, like as we are closing and, and whatnot, just right there where you are, you can, you can do that. You can respond to him. You can just pray the best way that you know how and, and, and ask God, God, would you save me? I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I don't measure up, but God, I, I, there's something inside of me that is just drawing me towards you and I desire you and so I give you my life and he will save you this morning, he will. And you can do that. But for all of us, like if you've been a Christian for a while, I just want, I guess it all boils down to this this morning. Ask yourself, like, what are you chasing today? What are you chasing? What is the preeminent thing in your life? What is your focus? What is your passion? What are you chasing? Is it success? Is it status? Is it comfort? Is it hobbies? Activities? Kids' activities? Or is it Jesus? I think it's so easy for the things of God just to take a back seat in our lives. And maybe it's because we're too busy. Like we just need to say no to a few things. Or maybe it's because all this is just so easy. Like we've just boiled it down to the, to the point where it's just easy and it's routine and it's just kind of what we do, right? But I actually think that, that convenience has made us casual. The convenience of it all, I mean, think about it. 
You, you have 24-7 access to the inspired word of God in your pocket. Like you have the Bible right there. You probably have 15 copies sitting on your shelves at home that you don't touch, right? It's just too convenient, it's too easy. And just 500 years ago, a guy named William Tyndale died so that you could have an English translation. <laughs> it's just so easy for us. I mean, I have over 2,000 books about the Bible on my iPad right now. Like the, it's so convenient. We have a beautiful place to meet. Nobody's gonna threaten your life whenever you leave today. It's easy, it's casual. And so we say, I like the program. I like the thing that we do here and if my schedule's free, I'll be there. Did you know that our two largest attendance days of the year, this year, have been on days when it's raining? That's crazy, that's not normal, right? Most, I, we might be the only church in the country that our two largest attendance days are days when it's raining and here's the reason why. The ball fields are closed. The lake is rained out, right? It's just so easy, so convenient, and I think we're casual. I'm not sure we fully understand the weight of what we're doing here. That we, together, as a church body, are running together, arms linked together, and we're chasing after God. And it's a matter of, of life or death. And so ask yourself this morning, what are you chasing? And it's the desire of my heart, and I pray that it's the desire of your heart that we would be a church, a body of believers running hard together after the heart of God. And so church, like, let's seek the Lord and live. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.